I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. That's what Mary Magdalene declares. But first, imagine the range of emotions that Mary must have felt on that first Easter Sunday morning before she gets to that statement. Sorrow that Jesus had been killed. Disappointment that the high expectation she had for Jesus had died with him. Anxiety and fear when she saw that the body was not in the tomb. Sadness again as she stood outside the tomb, weeping. Joy when she finally recognized Jesus. And at the end, she seems resolute and confident when she announces to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Now, earlier on that first day of the week, while it was still dark, when Mary went to the tomb, I wonder what would have been on her mind. Maybe her thoughts reflected the lyrics of the great show tune, Memory, by the musical Cats. Or one of the characters sings, Memory, all alone in the moonlight, I can dream of the old days. Life was beautiful then. I remember the time I knew what happiness was. Let that memory live again. Well, little did she know, little did she know that Jesus would not simply be someone she could call to mind as we do with memories of, we have of someone, but instead she, he would be a living reality and she would see him. And the clues for this were there from the beginning. They were there for her and the other disciples that this event, to know that this event would come to pass. After his resurrection, they would remember things that Jesus had said and done that foretold this great event. They would remember after Jesus' resurrection that after Jesus had driven the sheep and oxen out of the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers, the temple authorities asked him, what sign can you show for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And at the time, no one understood what Jesus was talking about or what he meant. But John said, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. And again, they would remember that later when Jesus returned to Jerusalem, the crowds took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. They did this as Jesus rode into the temple on a donkey. And John tells us that his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, meaning when he was raised from the dead, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. And the other Gospels. Upon being told that Jesus had been raised from the dead, the disciples are told to remember. In the Gospel according to Luke, the, woman, the women who visit the tomb are told, He is not here, He is risen. Remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And we too are here to remember. We are here to remember and celebrate this good news. But do you remember how you celebrated Easter last year? What was Easter like last year? I remember that I was at home on Easter Sunday morning with the family watching and participating in the St. Andrew's Easter service on Facebook, on my TV, because we recorded it the previous day. That's a weird way to experience Easter Sunday. One I don't wish to repeat, but I did enjoy spending time with the family that Sunday morning on Easter Sunday. 
But we can look back further to the other past celebrations of Easter Sunday. Some here may remember or have memories of wearing Easter bonnets and white gloves. I remember as a child before Easter, my mother took my brother and me to Foley's and bought us each a new suit. And I usually had to get a haircut too. And what we remember about Easter and definitely Christmas often tends towards nostalgia, remembering those, those seemingly simpler, sweeter times. Well, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines nostalgia as a wistful or excessively sentimental yearning to return to some past period. Don Draper in the show Mad Men said of nostalgia, it's delicate but potent. It's a twinge in your heart far more powerful than memory alone. Nostalgia is potent. Historian Anne Applebaum, in her book, The Twilight of Democracy, she describes two kinds of nostalgia, reflective nostalgia and restorative nostalgia. She says of reflective nostalgia that it appeals to collectors of yellowed letters and sepia-toned photographs, the nostalgia of those who like old churches, even if they never go to services, reflective nostalgic study the past and even mourn for the past, but they do not really want the past back because they realize it might have been sweet and simpler, but it was also more dangerous, more boring, and perhaps more unjust. Restorative nostalgics, she says, don't just look at old photographs and piece together family stories. They don't just miss the past or wonder about it. They actually want the past back exactly as it was without acknowledging that the past might have had its drawbacks. And maybe restorative nostalgia had something to do with why the crowds moved so quickly from Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel, to crucify him, crucify him. Perhaps Jesus didn't live up to the expectations that some people had for the kind of king that he actually was. Those who had those restorative expectations looked back to the glory days of King David and expected Jesus to restore Israel to what it had once been. But Jesus' project is much bigger than that. It's bigger than restoring a single nation. As we know from John 3.16, it's about saving the whole world. It's about the inauguration of a new age and a new reality. Uh, the theologian N.T. Wright, theologian, biblical scholar N.T. Wright says the, that the power of the gospel lies in the announcement that God is God, Jesus is Lord, the evil powers have been defeated, and God's new world has begun. That's the good news. God is God. Jesus is Lord. Evil powers have been defeated. God's new world has begun. All that is implied in Mary's announcement, I have seen the Lord. But given the challenges we face these days from pandemic, to climate change, to economic inequality, to racism, to the displacement of people around the world, to the crisis of loneliness that infects so many folks despite being more connected than ever, not to mention our general sin and our failure to love our neighbor and love God. Because of all this, Wright asks, doesn't this announcement seem laughable? Doesn't it seem laughable that God is God, Jesus is Lord, the evil powers have been defeated, a new world has begun, given all these problems? Well, he answers his own question and says, well, it would be laughable if this new reality wasn't happening. 
Wright says, if a church is actively seeking justice in the world by putting things to rights, if it is cheerfully celebrating Christ's good creation and its rescue from creation or from corruption in art and music, and if in addition its own internal life gives every sign that new creation is indeed happening, generating a new type of community, then suddenly that announcement does make sense. God's creation, his new creation, is happening here and now. Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits of that new creation, that new age, this new reality. And that is what we remember today and celebrate today, this new reality. Over the last year, we may have felt a whole range of emotions. Sorrow, disappointment, anxiety, fear, sadness, loneliness, joy, joy. And I hope today we can share in Mary's resolute confidence and join her in her Easter faith by saying with her, I have seen the Lord with all that it implies. God is God. Jesus is Lord. The evil powers have been defeated. God's new world has begun. Amen.